0: You're in Daniel tonight. If you grab your Bible and turn over to Daniel, chapter number two tonight. Trisha, on Wednesday night, I'm, I'm going to probably read more scripture than normal because I want to look at this chapter with you. And it's a full chapter long. I'm not going to sit and read the chapter, I want to walk through it with you tonight. If you know your Bible at all, the first six chapters of Daniel are more stories, and the last uh, six chapters are more prophetical, and more specific as far as prophecy. But in Daniel, chapter number two, God gives us some prophecy from this great image. All right? I'm going to go ahead and have you shoot the image on the board if you don't mind. I mean, there's a lot of places that you can look if you study your Bible that have what they think the image might look like. We don't know what the image looked like, all right? In fact, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed the image, and it's only called a great image. The description of that particular image is the head of gold, and then, of course, you can see by the colors there, it's going to be the arms and chest of silver, and then, of course, uh, it's going to have the um, stomach and the thighs, really, of bronze the legs being of iron, and then the toes. I want to talk a little bit, and I know it's a little bit prophetical tonight, and there's, there is an application, but I want to just, just think about this particular chapter, this image that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about was prophetical as far as God telling him. Think about this. We're in 2023 right now, and this was around 600 B.C., so almost 2,600 years ago, God told Nebuchadnezzar what was going to happen in the future and beyond. And actually that future is beyond us because Christ has not come back yet. And uh, But yet God showed a heathen king that he put in the inspiration of scripture for us of what the future would hold as far as world dominion. And by the way, the world dominion is going to end with Christ at the millennial reign of Christ and he'll reign over the world. And so we'll look at that a little bit tonight. But uh, that's, that's not the main thought tonight, but this thought, uh, his dream is really... Uh, shows us what we're going to look at tonight. So let's look at your Bible now and uh, ask. In fact, let me pray first, if you don't mind, because we're going to just walk through this, I think, together uh, tonight. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you again for your word. Please help us tonight to have an understanding heart. And Lord, I don't want it just to be reading. I know that you want your word and the quickness and powerfulness of your word that it can do something in the heart of a person. And Lord, no matter what is going on in our lives, we know that your word won't return void and it's a help. Tonight, as we look at this, I think sometimes in my own mind that People are not with it or seeing it. But, Father, you have a purpose. And, Lord, would you please let your purpose be known tonight to all of us. Bless us now as we look through this passage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Daniel chapter number 2. Now look at verse number 1. The Bible says this. and In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep uh, break from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dream. So they came and stood before the king. Church family, I don't think Nebuchadnezzar was saved. I'm sorry, they're not saved in the Old Testament, they're believers. But I don't think that Nebuchadnezzar was a believer in Daniel chapter two. Alrighty. I do believe that after, De- after Nebuchadnezzar ran like an animal for seven years, when you look at the end of the chapter there, you're going to find out that he finally believes in the God of heaven. In, in Daniel 2, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, a heathen king, is having this particular vision. And the first person he calls for is the magicians, the astrologers, the people who deal with uh, demonology and trying to find out you know, from them what the answer is. And, and by the way, that's where else is a lost person going to go if they don't have Christ? All righty? So Daniel was not the first choice. In fact, Daniel was being hunted to be killed as a wanted man because he is grouped into this magician, astrologers, and the wise men of Babylon because of chapter number one. You remember in chapter number one where he said that Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with the, with the king's meat, and then he gave this special diet, and then uh, three years passed. They stand before the king, and the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar found them ten times better than all the others. And so then he promoted them into these positions. So Daniel is not like the other, quote unquote, group of magicians and astrologers and Chaldeans. He was put into this group because God blessed him in chapter number one. And now in chapter number two, Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, if you can't tell me what this dream's talking about, I'm killing everybody that's a wise man. All right. So then that's how Daniel comes to this position and course and place. And God knew that. Look at your Bible again, if you don't mind, verse three. And the king said unto them, the magicians, astrologers, et cetera, I have dreamed a dream and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king and Syriacal king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the thing is gone from me. If ye will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, look what he says now, ye shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made a dunghill. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was known for being a pretty ruthless king. But can you imagine, he didn't just say, if you don't tell me what the dream's about, I'm going to kill you. He says, I'm going to cut you in pieces, alrighty. So you can imagine now the fear that is going on. And of course, we're, I'll, I'll do my best not to read everything tonight to get to the main part of the story. As you continue down, the king says again in verse number 8, the king answered and said, I know of a certainty that ye would gain the time, because you see the thing is gone from me. But if ye will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you. Of course, the one decree that they would be killed. Look at verse number 10, the Chaldeans answered before the king and said, there is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. They shouldn't have said that, should they? All right, because Daniel's going to do it. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asketh such things uh, at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requireth, and there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Look at verse 12, and for this cause, the king was angry and very furious, and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. All right, let's stop for just a moment. Let's catch ourselves up as far as what's going on. Nebuchadnezzar dreams a dream. When he gets done dreaming the dream, he can't remember what the dream was. How many of you can relate to that one? (laughs) Dream a dream? It's bothersome to you? Uh, It's funny, because last night I had a dream, and I don't know what the dream was and uh but in that dream you ever dream that you dreamed? and i really felt like i was there and that the lord told me this is what i want you to preach in a week and i should have got up when i was dreaming i still can't remember what i was supposed to preach in a week because i lost the dream i must be related to nebuchadnezzar all right and i'm troubled is there anybody that can please define my dream for me all right i know what brother ortiz is saying wives love your husband i can tell you right now that's what the dream was all right amen <laughs> So Nebuchadnezzar dreams his dream. He can't remember what it was. He says, hey, listen, you guys, I pay you to be able to get me answers. So I went to the answer. What, what did I dream? And they said, we don't know what the dream is. He said, that's fine. I'm going to kill every one of you. In fact, I'm just going to kill you. I'm going to cut you in pieces. I'm going to take your houses. I'm going to destroy them. So now they're hit. the captain of the guard, I think his name's is he is looking for Daniel. All right, and that's where we're at now to kill him. Look at verse 14. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Ariok the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. All right? Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mish- Mishael, and Azariah. Who is that? that he- their Hebrew names is what we know. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, all right? So Daniel had some good friends. We know that from another chapter. They're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace not bow, bow the knee. Now, what do they do? They pray. That's what Christians are supposed to do when you don't have answers, right? Look at verse 18. He says, he goes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Meshiel, Azariah, same people. He says, verse 18, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in the night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Verse number 20 23 is Daniel praising God. He says, Daniel answered, verse 20, and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Verse 21, I circled the pronouns in verse 21 and 22 because they're all about God. Verse 21, and he, God, changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee, think about Daniel's praise to the Lord. I thank thee, talking to God. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, and has made known unto me now what we, I think this is interesting, Daniel doesn't take the credit. You'll notice those pronouns there. He's referring to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It wasn't just Daniel's prayer. It was their prayer. Church, I'm going to tell you, we get to heaven we're going, to make, we're going to glorify the Lord because he answered prayer, but we're going to glorify the Lord for the group prayer. Times that we prayed together and brought things to the Lord, and God says, okay, I'm going to answer it because of them, not because of him. All right, look what he says next here. He says that we now, what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Verse 24, he goes to the king now. He says, therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, which the king had ordered to destroy the wise men of Babylon. Verse number 26, the king answered and said to Daniel, verse 26, whose name was Belteshazzar, art thou able to to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king? To me, this is a pretty powerful phrase and this will be our thought tonight. I'm gonna come back to it tonight, but I wanna really finish teaching the passage. Verse number 28, but there's a God in heaven. Just remember, I want to tell you something. It all goes back to that, does it not? Amen. What's the banners on the wall say? He's all I need. Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, I can't give you an answer, but I want to tell you, there's, but there's a God in heaven. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar, I know you want to kill everybody, but there's a God in heaven. Nebuchadnezzar, I know you're troubled and you can't get answers and you're looking to man and you're not looking to God, but there's a God in heaven. Right. The whole purpose of life is supposed to be God and sometimes we get frustrated with life. But can I just remind everyone tonight that there's a God in heaven. Amen. We'll come back to that thought tonight. I want to go ahead and finish this if you don't mind. Verse number 28, but there's a God in heaven that reveals the secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. Verse number 29, church for time's sake, let's just look at the dream. Verse 31, thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent. Stood before thee and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and brake them in pe- to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them, carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Verse 36, this is the dream. And we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. What's the interpretation? Verse 37, thou, O king, art a king of kings. Notice there's small k for king and king. Small k. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand and hath made thee ruler over them all, thou art this head of gold. Now, church, let me stop for a second here. God is showing Nebuchadnezzar the future presently as well as the future. And so Daniel's interpreting this dream. And if you look upon the chart behind me here, again, I don't know that's that exact picture. There's lots of different pictures what people think it might look like. But the truth, truth of the matter was there was a head of gold. And uh, Daniel is telling Nebuchadnezzar about all these world kingdoms. And it's, it's a picture of an image, this world kingdom. Let me think for just a moment here. We don't have a world kingdom right now because we have different countries around the world. We have continents and on those continents are different countries. Back when Babylon was, uh, in, this is again 2600, 2,600 years ago, there was a world power And those world powers kept shifting. And so here Nebuchadnezzar gets to see the future in this particular dream. And Daniel says, I just want you to know you're the first world power. You're the first world kingdom. He says, no matter where all the beasts are at, you own it. No matter what nations are out there, you're in charge of them. Nebuchadnezzar, you're this head of gold. The, The world power that's going on, that's Nebuchadnezzar. That's the first picture. The second picture of the world power. Look at your Bible again. Verse number 39, it says, And after these shall arise, I underline in my Bible, another kingdom, meaning inferior to thee. Now, church family, the first kingdom was Babylon, the second kingdom, it can be called different ways, but it was called Medo-Persia, the Medes and the Persians. If we were to study prophecy in the last six chapters of, of uh, Daniel, we would see those two countries specifically called out as far as being a world power. If you remember correctly, uh, one of the sons of Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, had that dream where he saw the handwriting on the wall, and that was God saying, okay, your time is up. That very night, historically, that's when the Persians came under through the water wells, came under and they got into the city and destroyed it that night and the Medes and Persians took it over and they became the world power after Nebuchadnezzar. So when he says in verse 39, and after these shall arise another kingdom, that was the Medes and Persians, they and fear unto thee. Look at verse 39, the next one. It says, and another third kingdom. I underline another third kingdom. Another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over what? We're ta- I, I, know this, I don't mean to be deep and I'll, I'll hustle, but here. But understand, it's talking about world power, kingdom, owning everything, being in charge. Nebuchadnezzar was the first one. Darius was the second one. Alexander the Great The next third world power was Greece. Greece became a world power. Alexander the Great had conquered all the known world. If you you know history, Alexander, when he had passed away, when he had died, four of his generals took over. It's interesting that that's in the book of Daniel as well. And it was divided up. But what I want you to see is the next world power would would have been Greece. And that's again would have had control. That was Alexander the Great. Look at the next statement now in verse number 40. And the fourth kingdom... Underline fourth kingdom if you're underlining. The fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these things shall it be break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of the potter's clay and part of the iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with mire and clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with clay, miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And, I, I we can't get too deep tonight, and I know some, there might be more questions as we read through this, but let me just quickly say, the legs of iron was a picture of Rome. If you remember correctly, Jesus Christ was born in that era, and he lived 33 and a half years, and Rome had the world dominion at that time. They're, they're a picture of the legs of iron. Now, church family, there's a big gap when you get down to the toes. And that gap, because Rome was the last one to have world dominance. Now church family, today there's nobody that has world dominance. The United States might be a superpower, but we don't own the world. All And so there's a day coming when the Antichrist is going to draw the nations together, those 10 toes. He's going to get 10 kings. We believe it's the old Roman Empire, which would means it would have to be toward the Middle East. But those ten ten toes representing the the old Roman Empire, and they're going to give their power to the Antichrist, and there will be another world power represented by those ten toes, that iron and clay, which iron and clay don't mix together, they don't stay together. And then the Bible says there's a rock that's going to hit this statue in the feet. Look at your Bible again, verse number 44. And in the days of these kings, that's during the tribulation period, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people but it, the kingdom, shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. In other words, all the kingdoms of the world and it, the kingdom of Christ, shall stand, how long? For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands. Church family, I think the symbolism there is this. Jesus Christ has always been... No hands made him. That's the picture here. The stone here is Christ. A stone that's cut out of the mountain without hands and that it, it break in pieces, the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, the gold, all the nations. The great God hath made known to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, what shall come to pass hereafter and the dream is certain and in the interpretation thereof sure. But you remember the rest of the chapter, I'm not gonna read, but verse 46 through 49, Nebuchadnezzar is excited that somebody could interpret the dream. All right, now I know a lot of teaching tonight and a, lot of inf- a bunch of information but to me, the information is what really gets us back to the thought tonight, but there's a God in heaven. Yeah. Just I mean, think for just a moment here. We don't have world dominance today, though there are countries that would like to have world dominance. What do you think Hussein tried to do what he did all, those many years ago? He had the third largest army in the world, thinking that he could have world dominance. There will not be world dominance until the tribulation period, and it'll be the Antichrist. Yeah. And when the Antichrist comes on the scene... He will start off by trying to get world peace and everybody's going to love him and like him and then uh the kings the 10 kings of the 10 different nations are going to give their power and they're going to give their support and then and then of course three and a half years of trying to draw for world peace and then in the middle of the tribulation period there's going to be all out war because the you know he's going to take full control and the antichrist is going to go into the temple and desecrate it and then of course he's going to try to kill israel now all of that to be saying is this nebuchadnezzar has this dream and what's the dream about it's about world dominance Church family, the tribulation period still has not happened, and we're in 2023. God was telling the telling Nebuchadnezzar what was going to happen in the future. Now, can I just tell you that Nebuchadnezzar thought there was a simple answer to his dream, but and it wasn't what he expected, because the answer that Daniel gave him was this but there's a God in heaven. You say, but he gave him, he gave him the, the image and the definition and interpretation. No, the very first thing that Daniel gave Nebuchadnezzar was this. Your astrologers don't have the answers. Your magicians don't have the answers. And I, wouldn't have, I don't have the answer. But there's a God in heaven. The one thing that Daniel tried to do was point Nebuchadnezzar to the God in heaven. Just I mean, What are we doing on this earth? We're trying to point people to the God in heaven. What are we trying to do with the children that we're raising? We're trying to point them to the God of heaven. What causes you to come out on a Wednesday night? It's so that the preacher can point us to the God of heaven. So here, I want you to see, there's, to me, there's some principles in the story tonight. And again, I want you to see them, and it won't take me long to go through these principles. There's only 75 of them. And I want to, <laughs> there's more than three, but I want to, I think there's four. I want to just go through these four quickly with you tonight. If you'll notice, first of all, I want you to look back to verse number 28. What was Daniel, or I should say, what is God teaching us in this story about Nebuchadnezzar? All right, look at verse number 28 with me. And the Bible says this in verse number 28. But there's a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known unto the king Nebuchadnezzar, here's the phrase, what shall be in the latter days. Look down in verse 29. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came unto thee, that thy mind upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee, what shall come to pass? I like verse number 40, I think it's verse 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Last phrase, it shall stand forever and ever. In verse number 45, last phrase, the great God that hath made known to the king, what shall come to pass hereafter? Now, I don't know what you catch from that, but the verses that I just read was all future. Nebuchadnezzar, I'm about to tell you, I'm sorry, God wants to tell you what's going to happen, what's going to happen here, hereafter What's going to happen forever? Do you understand that there's a God in heaven who knows the beginning and the end? Amen. Just really, our lives—I I left it. Oh no, I brought it in here. Our lives. So many times, I didn't bring my put-together puzzles, but I brought a—I brought a regular puzzle. All right, I think this one's still closed. All right, I haven't done very many puzzles. You guys that are puzzle people, you could teach us all how to do puzzles. But in my little elementary mind, if I'm going to do a puzzle. Not going to happen. If I'm going to do a puzzle, you know, I don't mind doing it with my kids, but I'm not I'm sitting there and just looking at pieces and trying to find the right colors. And some of you are so talented in that, all right? So why take the talent away from you, all right? <laughs> but in my elementary mind, and if I'm wrong, you tell me after the service, okay? But in my elementary mind, if I'm going to do the puzzle, I need a picture. I want a picture. And then what I want to do is I want to find out what's my colors. I want to know what the reds are, I want to know what the blues are, I want to know if there's a a dark green, if there's a light green, then for me, I'm not a puzzle maker, I would separate the colors, alright, maybe you don't do it like this, maybe maybe I'm way, way off, because I'm not a puzzle person, but I would figure that if there's a red truck that's that particular red, I'm going to find every piece that's got that particular red on, I'm going to put it to the side before I start to put those together, don't look at me like that tonight, I'm just telling you, that's, that's my way my mind works. If I'm going to put something together, I've got to find out what the pieces are first. But church, I mean, can I just tell you, God doesn't need a picture. Because he knows exactly where the pieces go from the beginning to the end. Your life, you think to yourself, well, you know, I didn't know my life was going to end up like this. And I didn't know where I was going to be at this particular age. or I didn't know that we were going to have this many children. And I didn't know, wait a second here. He knows the beginning from the end. Nebuchadnezzar, I just want to tell you, you're the head of gold, but guess what? There's a stone coming that's going to break this thing down, and his name's Jesus Christ, and he's going to set this own kingdom up. Now listen, we're 2,600 years into this so far, and it still hasn't happened yet. But yet he told Nebuchadnezzar what's going to happen, and we don't even know what the target date is. Can I tell you why? He knows the beginning from the end. He knows the beginning from the end. I like to look at Revelation, and of course, it's mentioned a couple times there. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Alpha, Omega, Greek, Greek alphabet, letter A, letter Z, of course, the beginning and end, talking about the first and last letters. And he's trying to say is, God knows what's going to happen. Church of America, God knows what's going to happen in your life. I think the reason that phrase is there, and again, we'll get to heaven, we'll find out for sure, but there's a God in heaven. I think that phrase is there to remind us, as we look at this particular story, That God is telling Nebuchadnezzar what's happening now with his head of gold. But he's telling him what's going to happen later when a stone's going to knock the image down. Beginning, end. There's a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven. You understand, we as Christians don't have to live our life as if it's an accident. Because the lost world, they think everything is a chance or a happenstance. I'm just telling you, there are no chances. There's no happenstances. God knows what's going to happen in our life. This is me, but I really believe that if the Lord was trying to tell me a message that he wants a week from now, that he's going to tell me again. And I believe that because he knows the beginning from the end. Yeah, can, can I just tell you in your life, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter if I'm, <laughs> you know what, if I would have told the church family when I first came, only shake hands with people that are older than you, I'd be running around. <laughs> I wasn't running tonight. Everybody's running up to me. Even Mrs. Edwards came and shook my hand. I've never had a 90-year-old shake my hand before. Hey, can I tell you, it doesn't matter how old you are, he sees the beginning from the end. It doesn't matter if you don't know where you're going to go to college. It doesn't matter if you don't know who you're going to marry. Can I just tell you, he knows the beginning, but there's a God in heaven. We need to get our focus looking up that, okay, God, I can't see the future, but I know you know what's going to happen in the future. And Nebuchadnezzar, I just want you to understand God sees the future, and here's what he says is going to happen. Something else I see in this passage here. Again, trying to not, I won't try to read this, reread the chapter, but look at verse number, I think verse 17, if I remember correctly. Chapter 2, look at verse number 17. Just me, from verse number 17 through verse number 23 is really Daniel getting with his, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, getting with his companions and praying. In verse 18, that they, that they his companions in himself, that they would desire mercies of the God in heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men. And then, of course, verse 19 through 23, he's just rejoicing. Daniel blessed, I'll just read verse 19. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in the night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Did you notice that phrase, God of heaven, is mentioned in verse 18? The God of heaven is mentioned in verse number 19. The God of heaven is mentioned in verse number 28. And the God of heaven is mentioned in verse 44. I really think that the whole idea of this passage is he's saying, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, you're trying to figure it out through people when God's already got this thing figured out. But there's a God in heaven, and I, tonight, can I just remind us tonight, there is a God in heaven who sees the beginning from the end. There is a God in heaven who answers prayer. Just remember, Daniel would have died. This was life or death. I don't know what their prayer, their prayer meeting was like, but I can tell you their prayer meeting, they weren't sleeping. I can tell you at their prayer meeting it wasn't monotone. I can tell you for sure that at that particular prayer meeting they were all praying, not just some. I don't look around during prayer but I sure hope (laughs) on a Wednesday night you just don't sit in your pew. It's time to pray that you'd pray. Because I want to tell you, Daniel, and by the way, your life is life or death. Life or death. Your children... Your spouse, this church? Amen. I was told today that sixteen hundred pastors step out of the pulpit every month. Baptist. Sixteen hundred. How many of those are getting replaced? Lord, church, man, Satan's on the move. Amen. We've got to pray. We've got to talk to the Lord, and we've got all the promises of scripture. Church, I, mean, I want to tell you something. If I came up to you. And I said, listen, I will take care of this to you, I promise. You would leave me with at least some assurance. Okay, pastor said he's going to take care of that. Can I just tell you a thousand times, thousand times, thousands, that if God says, I'll answer your prayer, if you would just ask, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find, and knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Why don't we take him at his promise? There's a God in heaven who answers prayer. Quickly, I'm just, this is interesting. This is, you're going to like this one, all right? Verse number 30. Church me, this one verse is going to tell you why. It's got two reasons, but there's, this one verse tells you why God showed Nebuchadnezzar what was going to happen. All right, look at verse number 30. But as for me... I'm sorry, I'm gonna read verse 29 if you don't mind. As for thee, O King, verse 29, as for thee, O King, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter, and he that revealeth secrets, which is God, maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. Look at verse 30. But as for me, this secret's not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living but. So now he's gonna tell them, tell Nebuchadnezzar, this is why I'm telling you, this is why God's telling you the answer but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Did you notice the two reasons God said through Daniel, but the two reasons God told Nebuchadnezzar, here's the reason I'm gonna show you the image that you forgot. Here's the reason I'm gonna give you peace of mind from what you're troubled over. Here's the reason I'm gonna tell you what the, do you understand? He says, there's two reasons. Number one, Daniel says, the reason God told me It's for our sakes. The "r" there, the pronoun being uh, not singular, but plural. The pronoun there, or there, I think is is the pronoun there. The pronoun there is talking about more, it's talking about Daniel. It's talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My opinion, I think from the scripture there, I think it's because of even the heathen, magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans. He says, hey, you're trying to kill them all. And God's telling you the definition so you don't kill us all. And then he says, secondly, he says, never get us because God wants you to know this. Now, church family, here's what I want you to think about tonight is this. There is a God in heaven who still cares about people. Yes, church family, you're not alone. He, casting all your care upon him for? First Peter 5, 7, he careth for you. Yes, That's the God we serve. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. That's the kind of God we serve. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is a God in heaven. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar, you're struggling inside, but, and you're aggravated with people because you can't get the answers that you have, and God says, I'm going to give you the answer for their sake. Just when me think about it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they made a difference, did they not? They wouldn't bow before the king and when, when they were cast into a fiery furnace and they came out, Nebuchadnezzar and all his princes saw that and Nebuchadnezzar makes a ruling for all the land, He said, listen, don't anybody talk bad about this guy's God. Amen. Daniel would have died. Did not Daniel make a difference in the next king, Darius? He's cast into a lion's den. Darius doesn't, goes without eating because he's worried about Daniel and he comes to that throws the lid off and says, hey, is the God whom ye serve able to deliver thee? I want to tell you something. God cared about Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, and I think He cared about the heathen people too. How do you know that? Well, Second Peter three nine tells us that. And then He's not willing that any should, but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want anybody to be harmed. Hey, there's a God in heaven that cares for you, and you're going through struggles in your life and times that worry you and sometimes you cry yourself to sleep at night and sometimes you you're you leave the house in the morning and you're burdened and you're with people and you, you how how can i there's a god in heaven that's how you make it Amen. he cares for you so he says in this passage there's a god in heaven who sees the beginning from the end there's a god in heaven who answers prayer there's a god in heaven who cares about people and he sure does only you know church i mean, i go to this next one but i'm gonna just quickly say this if I was to ask you tonight, what did Solomon pray for? Most of you would say, well, Solomon, he prayed for wisdom because God said, ask what I should give unto thee. And he said, would you please give me an understanding heart to be able to lead such a great people? But it's interesting about Solomon when you look into the other passage of scripture that the Bible says that God gave Solomon three things. Now, I know you're going to say, well, he gave him riches and honor in life. And that is true because God said, I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. That was the riches and honor and life and all this stuff. But the three things that God gave Solomon that was very very interesting to me, he gave him wisdom, he gave him understanding. But I don't know if you ever thought about it, the Bible actually says wisdom, understanding and largeness of heart. Amen. Have you ever seen somebody before and you said that person's got a big heart? <laughs> Amen. God. Do you, do you ever pray God, would you give me largeness of heart? Would you just help me to have a heart for people? I find myself guilty often of sometimes being busy and forgetting. But one of the reasons God placed me here is for people. I get busy with things. And, and I, I'm not, to be honest with you, I don't know if they're bad things, they're just things. I don't stop and just spend time with people. You know, and some have compassion making a difference. That's what we're supposed to have. I just want you to understand God cares about you, whether anybody else does or not. Look at the last thing in verse number 44. And this kind of goes along where we started, but I'll I'll end it with this, verse 44. Here's the interpretation of that image again. In, In the days, verse 44, in the days of these kings... Shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, that's the millennial reign of Christ, which shall never be destroyed, that's us living and reigning with Christ forever, Revelation 22. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall shall break it, the kingdom, uh, Christ, it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, the head of gold, arms of silver, waist of brass, uh, legs of iron, It shall consume all these kingdoms, and it shall, it, God's kingdom, shall stand forever. Verse 45, for as much as thou sawest that the stone, Jesus Christ, was cut out of the mountain without hands, Jesus Christ, and that it break in pieces, the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God that made known to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof, sure. I have to put it in there. That's why it's the fourth point tonight because it's, to me it's so clear when you look at the interpretation of the rain. There's a God in heaven that's going to reign forever. Amen. Now, I don't know that I'm going to go to Revelation because I'm going to bring this to a close tonight. But in Revelation, I like, I like the end of Revelation. Revelation chapter 19, second coming of Christ. Of course, we're not in the tribulation period. Chapters 4 through chapter 18 is the tribulation. I'm sorry, excuse me. Chapter 4 is the rapture, God on his throne. Chapter 5 is uh, the lamb opens the seal book. Revelation 6 through verse chapter 18 is the tribulation period. The church is not found anywhere in there. Revelation 6 to chapter 18, tribulation period, the church is not found in there. We are not going through the tribulation period. Amen. We're going to be in heaven, amen? Yes. But chapter number 19, second coming of Christ, we come back on white horses for the battle of Armageddon. Chapter number 20, you have the great white throne judgment. Revelation chapter 21 is new heaven, new earth that's going to come down from heaven. my opinion, the new heaven, new earth uh, is the new Jerusalem coming out from heaven. I think it's John chapter 14 when he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Remember he said, in my father's house are many mansions, if it were not so I would have told you. I believe that what God's creating for us right now is going to be brought down as the new Jerusalem. This is my opinion. It's going to be coming down, the new Jerusalem is going to come down on this earth. All right, and I could be wrong, but I just, I, there's reasons for that. But anyway, I believe that's going to happen. Revelation 21 is new heaven, new earth. Revelation 22 is the last chapter of the book of Revelation, and it talks about what we're going to do forever. Amen. Serve and reign. His servants are going to serve and reign. Forever. There's so much scripture, but I just want to say them. I, I like Revelation 19:6. When we're in heaven, before we come back on white horses, and I heard as it were a voice of great a great multitude. That's us. And as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, "What did What are we going to say? Hallelujah! For the Lord God Omnipotent reigneth. There's a God in heaven who's going to reign forever." The last chapter of Revelation, chapter 22 verse number five, and there shall be no night there, <laughs> and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. We're going to reign with Him forever and ever." Amen. There's a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven. You know, uh, this coming Sunday night is the uh, graduation. By the way, I got two or three or four coming back to help finish up. It's not that it's going to ever be our last per se graduation, but last last for the day college, at least for now. I don't know how my wife feels. We talk a little bit about it, but to be honest with you, it, the, our college has worked so well for my children because I, they've been very gracious to follow me. They've stayed here a year after they get done with high school, and they go to our Bible college. And to me, that year was so pivotal for my boys, especially. It, I'm speaking as a dad, but it was it was it's just such a relief that they would stay for a year. And to be honest with you, they didn't push the button and they didn't argue. And, they even asked, and I said, well, I'd like for you to stay a year and go to Bible college here, and, and they did. Samuel stayed here and left. Seth stayed here and then left. And um, to be honest with you, I'm a little nervous about Stephen for a lot of reasons. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I'm trusting the Lord. He's got a purpose and a plan. And I know this is my family, and I know you have families, and I don't belittle where your children are at and where they're going to go and what they're going to do. There, to be honest with you, from my standpoint, there's not very many colleges to send people to. Now, if you're going to go into a career, yes, there's places you could go. But it just, I really struggle as far as where do you send people today. It's really different what it was 20, 30 years ago and what it is now. So anyway, Stephen, Lord permitting, is going to be in high school next year, senior. And then he's got a year and then uh, graduate. And between that now and that time, I'll pray. He'll pray. Hopefully, he'll do what the other two did. I said, Dad, what's your thoughts are? And I'll try to be able to give him some advice uh, as far as that. But honestly, right now, I don't know. And it concerns me. I know you say, Pastor, it's a year away. I know it's a year away, but it concerns me. Because, you know, I want all of my children to do right. And they don't have to go into full-time Christian service. Church mean, your children, if I can carefully say this, your children don't have to go into full-time Christian service. They just have to be in the will of God. Amen. Can I add to that? They ought to be willing to go into full-time Christian service. Because if they're not willing, they're not in the will of God. You don't have to go on the full-time Christian service, but you ought to at least be willing to do whatever God wants for your life. Yeah, but I want to tell you one thing I know for sure. I don't know what's going to happen from a year from now, but I know what's going to happen 10,000 years from now. Amen. He's still reigning. Amen. You know why? Because there's a God in heaven. That's right. If you get a chance and the Lord leads you to do it, you ought to read Revelation 4 sometime, maybe tonight or next day. And you ought to circle every word in, the, in chapter number 4, every, Revelation 4, you ought to circle every time you find the word throne. Because it's always referring to God on his throne. I'm just telling you, God's going to reign forever and ever. And isn't it a wonderful thing that he chose you and me for saved? He chose you. Now, you, you, he, you heard the call. You answered it. But he chose you yeah, right. to be with him forever. Yeah, you're right. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, the next week, the next month. But I know what's going to happen forever. You know why? Because there's a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven. Listen, young people, I'm done. Look at me. You have got to get to the place in your life that you're surrendered to the God of heaven. Because I want to tell you something. He has a perfect will for your life and your happiness is not dependent on what job you have or how much money you have. Your happiness depends on whether or not you're going to let God be God. There's a God in heaven. Praise the Lord for that. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight. Let's take a moment of prayer.